Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. The moment where I really realized, like, you got to bring it every single night in that arena. I never spoken this on nothing, media, and then I think we was four or five games into the season. We was playing the Knicks, and I took the game winner. I airballed, and I just felt the whole vibe of everything. Like, what the f***? What was that? I felt like I disrespected the aura of what, what these fans is used to seeing from obviously MJ hitting game winners. And, you know, you live for those moments. And to be in that moment for the first time, my fourth, fifth season in the game, and I take that shot, it was like, I told myself I, I, I would never be in that situation again. To let that same feeling happen for these fans. Mm-hmm. I swear to God, bro, I never told that. It was that game to where it was like, every shot I take in a clutch, I'm going to make it count every single time. So you look back at all the moments that I had in the arena, it was more so like, I'm trying to inherit <laughs> the ghost of Michael shooting his fadeaway with the clock running down. Like that's, I carried that to heart after that moment. DeMar DeRozan talking about inheriting the weighty Jordan responsibility. Wow. Well, for a team that's under 500, three games. That that team, DeMar DeRozan's team, will be on the air tonight on the score. 645 Chuck's pregame show, 7 o'clock tip-off in Cleveland. A chance to get embarrassed again, lose again. I mean, if some, this is a team... You see, if you ever doubted how mentally and emotionally weak this team, this roster is that Arturis Karnashevis put together, or Karnashovis, it's Lithuanian for guard packs. This is how weak it is. When you see a team fall apart, tank, soil the bed, the first game after the trading deadline, you have a bunch of players who were weak. They were all afraid they were going to get traded. They all exhaled. They all said, hey, doesn't matter now. They can't trade me. That's how you know you're dealing with mentally and emotionally weak players. And that's your Bulls. That's what happened. They go to New... The Nets traded their two best players, and they didn't get everybody back in the trade, and they had a bunch of guys they grabbed off the parking lot, and they beat the Bulls. There you go. There's your Bulls. And Arturis Karnaschovas needs to look at players the last 27 games just to really find out who they are. Paul Sullivan, do we know who these bulls are? Do we do we know who they are and can we tell, can we help the the guy who's Lithuanian for guard packs along so he can move along with us? Hi Sully. Hey Rosie. Uh I think it's a little too late for that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what he saw that 
that the rest of us uh, aren't saying, but uh, I mean, it's pretty obvious they, they don't have a point guard, um, which is, was something that they needed going into the season. Maybe they were counting on Lonzo uh, getting healthy and I don't, it doesn't sound like that's going to be the case this year. Um, you know, your leading assist guy is DeMar and that's, you know, that shouldn't be his job. Um, no three point shooting. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just a lot of, uh, uh, shortcomings that are pretty obvious. If you've watched the team, not just this year, but ever since Lonzo went out last year, which was in January, um, they've been around or under 500. So, you know, for him to say that he needs to, to see them all together longer, is, it just doesn't seem to ring true to me. I think they just didn't feel like uh, making any moves. There was a stench of gar packs in this whole thing. What he said, how we sounded, we're evaluating our team. We didn't think it made it better, and likely they were overvaluing their prospects. So if you're going to make the connection, by the way, I'm talking with Paul Sullivan of the Chicago Tribune, writes the In the Wake of the News column. And he joins me on the score hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. It had the kind of stench that leads me to believe that whatever Reinsdorf de Jour is running the franchise, there are some kind of financial implications because it sounds a lot like Garpax. You need names. You need people. You need names because you're going to ask people to write big checks and write playoff checks and you can't give them any more Dolly Bor Bargarich things. You've you can't do that anymore. You have to have something here, or it's Karnashovas's refusal to admit that he doesn't know how to build a team. So which do you think is likely? Well, I, I thought he did a good job building the team last year. It's just uh, it, he hasn't really uh, audible when uh, he needed to. And uh, I understand they would be a better team if Lonzo was healthy. But, you know, counting on that after, you know, the summer when he when he obviously told everyone he wasn't going to be ready again, uh, it just this is a head-scratcher. I know they got Goran, and uh, he's a nice, you know, piece off the bench, but he's certainly not a guy that is going to come into a team and change things. Andre Drummond, nice piece off the bench. Um, probably should be playing even more, but uh, Billy uh, really doesn't let him do that too much. So I think that he kind of blew it this offseason when he had a chance to make some changes and then just expect them to to improve. And obviously that has not happened. Um, And like you said, uh, you know, you don't want to – you can't really say, well, Jerry Reinsdorf is is doing this, but he does own the Sox too, and and they – really are following the same kind of pattern there where you're just expecting the team to get better. They're a 500 or less team and you're not going to make any moves because you're just, you know, believe that, you know, these guys are going to get healthy and play better. And, and we saw that that didn't happen. And I would be very surprised if, uh, if it happens to the Bulls, I still think they can make it as a playing team, but I don't, I don't know what you think. I don't really expect them to go beyond uh you know, maybe they'll even win a play-in, but they certainly couldn't beat any of the top teams in the East. Well, that's who they can beat. They beat the better teams. The problem is in the play-in team, you're playing teams as crappy. In the play-in situation, you're playing teams as crappy as you are, and the Bulls can't beat them. 
But that's the goal. Should the goal? You got six Larry O'Brien trophies. Do you really? Is the goal to make a play in? Apparently. Oh my God. Okay, so then you're looking at. So you wrote about it this week. I mean, they, the they could still get the six seed, I guess, if you if you want to be real about it. They're not that far behind. I think Miami's six at this point. But uh, I, you know, let's get real. I don't think that's happening. So you wrote about it this week. The easy, easy, the obvious comparison between the Sox and accepting mediocre, mediocrity, and that's where they are. And and by the way, they still have problems in right field and second base. Isn't this where we started last year and nothing happened? And you're hearing the guy who's head of the Reinsdorf basketball operation saying, well, we, we like our guys. We think this is really talented. We need more time. They either need more time to figure out who they are or they really like their guys because the league told them that. There's just such stupidity or hypocrisy or lying going on, and you hear kind of double talk from the White Sox too. So share with the class you're comparing and contrasting these two franchises. Well, basically, uh, I was just looking over what Han said last year at the trade deadline when he didn't make any moves uh, besides the the big Jake uh, Diekman uh deal which was really not legendary yeah uh and and he he started talking about you know i really feel for you know i i'm with you Sox fans uh very disappointed wishing we could have got something done and uh our tourists kind of stuck it out <laughs> with the same thing yeah i feel for bulls fans you know and but you know you, you just can't uh, keep saying that uh Every other team, except for the Cavs, as it turns out, uh, made a made a, at least one move at the trade deadline or before the trade deadline. And the Cavs, you know, got Donovan Mitchell in the off season, so that was a pretty big move that uh, probably one the Bulls should have explored, uh, knowing that he was uh, available. So I don't know. I, you know, you don't want to put it all on Reinsdorf. But, uh, you know, he does own the two teams. I don't think he's really that involved with the Bulls. Honestly, I think he's basically uh, letting Michael Reinstorf pull all the strings there. But, you know, he's still the uh, he's still the guy. And uh, when both of your teams are, you know, kind of using the same uh, blueprint, uh, you, you got to wonder. I don't think I have to wonder at all. I think I've come to certain conclusions. that the... Well, do you think that he's uh, really – that involved with the bulls right now, or do you I, think I, maybe, maybe Michael's just the, you know, chip off the old block there and has the same philosophy or. I think the business concerns the business demands the business implications of having names and stars and asking people to write checks run counter to a smart basketball operation and maybe a smart baseball operation. I think that's yeah. what happens. Well, we do know that the, this Ben attendee deal was the biggest in Sox history. And that was, you know, seventy-five million with a lot of money, but uh, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, excuse me, I got I'm caught in my throat. But uh, the Bulls are have gone over the luxury tax I think once in their life, mm-hmm. so um, you can't compare them uh, in that respect. The other column we wrote this week was when LeBron James passed Kareem Abdul-Jabbar to become the all-time leading scorer in the NBA, and so the goat discussion. Came up again, Michael or LeBron, and you wrote about that, wondering, wonderfully so, why are we so protective of somebody who doesn't live here 
is trying to sell his home here and has been for what seems like 10 years and barely comes back here. And yet we cling to him or it seems like we do. So share with the class that and what you think about this kind of discussion. Well, it's, you know, these kind of discussions are always going to happen, uh, you know, greatest of all time. And I, I have nothing against that. And it's, it's, it's fun to talk about. And uh, my theory is just let LeBron have his way. Uh, he, he thinks he's the greatest of all time. His fans obviously think that. Um, I don't think Michael cares really that much. I think he knows his place in NBA history in gym shoe history. They're making a movie out of Air Jordans. Um, you know, in cartoon history with Space Jam. I mean, he was really a a trendsetter and a culture setter in a, in so many different ways. So really, the NBA really took off, uh, you know, because of him, uh, not just because of him, but certainly had a lot to do with his emergence. Whereas LeBron, kind of great player, probably best post-up player that we've ever seen, but uh, – you know, he, he's not Jordan in that respect, and he never will be. Um, you can even argue that, uh, you know, Magic Johnson and Larry Bird were more important to the NBA than LeBron. So uh, my thinking was just, uh, you know, just it's a silly argument. Who cares? Let him say it. Let him have it. We know what Michael did. Michael knows what Michael did. Um just gonna let him let him have his title and uh, let's move on. I mean, he's gonna obliterate the record by the time he's done. He's still good, still very good, and he's you know 38 years old. He wants to play with his kids, or at least one of his kids. Uh, so, you know, if, if the if what you think, if you think that being the top scorer in history means you're the greatest player of all time, you know, okay, fine. Uh, Look at Babe Ruth. Uh, he was passed by Hank Aaron and then by Barry Bonds, uh, but certainly his impact on baseball was, you know, way more than uh, Barry Bonds. So it's not just the the points. It's not just the stats. It's it's what you bring all overall to the game that really is what matters. At a time where the NBA could take over, my, they stopped calling traveling. They stopped calling palming the ball, which meant they featured people like Michael Jordan flying through the air and there the grace, the athleticism of it all. And he was the best at that. So the, the league helped him as well in a time when TV was basketball was coming of age in, in TV, making the most changing from what league there was, the cocaine infested league that it was in the seemingly in the in the seventies. So all of that worked out and whatever bird magic started, Michael continued and he perfected it. And yet, the the barometer Michael used, the quote that I saw came out in the wake of LeBron was, "You think I would have retired in '93 if I was if it was all about passing Kareem and doing that? It's about championships. It's about winning. It's about rings." Well, I, I thought that was an old quote, though, wasn't it? That I, that's not something you just recently said, was it? I I remember seeing something like that before. I don't know if those were the exact words, but by using yeah. his definition, whenever he said it, yeah. then he was then he was bowing to the greatest of all time, being Bill Russell and his eleven yeah. rings. So LeBron and Jordan together don't have as many rings as Bill Russell, the biggest winner we've ever seen which I thought was real interesting for, for Michael to bring that up at any point 
And Bill Russell, whose game is largely forgotten, but you can go look it up. He was the greatest winner in NBA history. Yeah, and there was some other uh, players with more titles as well. Uh, I can't think off the top of my head. Uh, I think Casey Jones is one of them. Yeah. Joined him there. Um, so, yeah, if you're going by titles, well, certainly <laughs> that's not the case. But I think one thing Michael has over LeBron is six for six. He never lost the yeah. NBA Finals. And LeBron, I think, uh, four for ten, which is great, <laughs> you know, that you're, you've helped your team get to ten finals. But the uh, – you know, if winning is the ultimate, then uh, you know he didn't uh, he didn't succeed in that respect. Wow, four for ten, ten NBA finals. That's like you yeah. can't even you can't even have it unless LeBron is there wherever he is, and he did it. With you would th- think that three different franchises. Yeah, no, he's totally a great, great, great player. You know, but you would think that he would at least accept that. Uh, you know, maybe that uh, he did follow Michael's lead and. Uh, that Michael, he should have even mentioned Magic and Larry, honestly. But uh, he, he does have this ego that's uh, amazingly <laughs> strong. Maybe that's why he's so good, I guess. Yeah. Well, Sully, I'm glad that these questions exist so that we can talk and we can write and talk. Yeah, gives us something to argue about. Yeah, there we go. Thanks for your time, Sully. Appreciate it. All right, Rosie. Take care, man. All right. Paul Sullivan, in the wake of the news column in the Chicago Tribune, and talk to a colleague of his, Julia Poe. She covers the Bulls. They're playing tonight. Well, they're scheduled to show up tonight. And you'll hear it on this radio station. Whether they play or not, we'll find out. What will happen on this radio station, the big game coverage on the score Sunday, presented by Soda Weight Loss. That's S-O-T-A. Visit SodaWeightLoss.com. Stevie Suckage, talk more Bulls, Chicago sports How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at 
at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odyssey podcast. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Radio 670 The Score. It's Saturday Suckage on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. We've made a ton of calls. Obviously, we received a lot of calls. Um, uh, we had a lot of good players. And uh, the thing is that, you know, in, in, in this market, there were a lot of buyers, you know, and not a lot of sellers. Every team still thinks that they are still, still in it. And that creates... You know, the market that it's, it's, it's very hard to make deals. And, uh, you know, we thought that the best opportunities for those deals are going to be during the draft and creations. That's what you say when you utterly failed at the trade deadline. That's what Arturis Karnaschovas was saying on the score from Mullion Hall on Friday. That's what you say when you have just soiled the bed and you're trying to sell this descending team that is mentally and emotionally weak. And again, here's one way, you know, it's not just, they can't start or it's not just that they can't finish. It's not just that they don't play for each other, that there's no leadership. But when you see the trade deadline come and go and you see the bulls, Put on a performance against the Nets, a Nets team that lost Durant and Kyrie Irving in the same week, a Nets team that didn't even get Michael Bridges in uniform, a Nets team that pulled four guys off the playground. Maybe they were practicing for the Rucker in New York, and they beat the Bulls. That's a team that just exhaled at the trade. All those guys, oh, I'm not going anywhere. Oh, I'm not going. Oh, thank God I'm not going anywhere. What can they do to me now? They can't trade me. This is a mentally and emotionally weak roster put together by the guy who couldn't, wouldn't, hasn't changed it. That's my view. Julia Poe of the Tribune, you cover the Bulls. What's your view of the mental and emotional wake-up of a team that does what you saw them do with the management not making a deal and then the team not making much of an effort to win a basketball game? Yeah, I mean, that's the question for them right now. Thanks for having me on to talk about this. Um, you know, it's it felt a bit incongruous to have a team, that, you know, your EVP come out, talk that strongly about consistency, and then have a game like they did in Brooklyn where just the energy wasn't right. And I think that's the biggest thing that you keep coming back to with this team is that there's obvious needs. They need certain things that they don't have with the personnel that that comes down to the front office. But there are these games where they either they come out flat in the first, they come out flat in the third, they fall away in the fourth. And a lot of the times it just feels like that's coming down to, like you said, a certain level of energy and mentality that just isn't clicking. And we've got – less than 30 games left now for them to try to try to figure that out. 
Julia Poe is my guest. She covers the Bulls for the Tribune. She's joining me on the Score Hotline, presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Julia, what you wrote today, it, it, it as Paul Sullivan and I were talking about mm-hmm. earlier, it's this is like reading about the White Sox, another Reinsdorf production. The White, the White Sox still have a problem in right field. They didn't do anything about it. They're trying to clown you into thinking Eloy Jimenez can play right field. The Bulls have this problem with three-point shooting. You wrote about it, and they're trying to clown you into believing they can. They all have all these different hacks to it. So share with the class what you wrote about and what you think of the way the Bulls' stance is. Yeah, it felt a little bit strange. So, you know, the Bulls are not a strong three-point shooting team. We've known that since last offseason. The front office knew that at the time, the coaching staff, everyone was in agreement. We came out of last season and they said, okay, we need to go get three-point shooters. And they didn't in the offseason. Goran Dragic has been a bit of an upgrade there, but that's kind of fallen away a little bit as the season goes on. So you get to this point in the season, you're at the trade deadline. This is the dead last team in terms of attempts. And they're middling in efficiency in terms of their accuracy, but they're still making bottom five three-pointers in a league that is dominated by three-pointers. And that has kind of always been understood, but Arturas comes out after the trade deadline and says, actually, I feel like our rate is fine. I think we're doing well. We need to do other things better. And I think that's just kind of where it feels a little bit strange to me, just in terms of this is a team that has known this is a weakness for close to a full calendar year now it's very visible on the stat sheet it's very visible when you play against brooklyn and you get outshot 10 to 0 uh 10 made three pointers to zero in a first half against a team that like you said just got stripped of their star players it's just i i don't know what it's hard to know what to make of that um you know when that's the answer to those questions about arguably the, the biggest weakness on this roster are they playing fan? Is is Arturis playing fans for stupid, or doesn't he care about them? He just knows he has to go out and say anything. He has not been available at all. He's not commented on any of these highs and lows. He was sort of forced to come out, and it didn't seem like he had a lot to say. Then he came on the Mully Haas show, and he was asked questions, and it seemed like a whole lot of gobbledygook. Is he dismissing the fans, and he's lying to ownership, or is he? Are there financial constraints because? playoff checks because next year's season ticket checks because there's a lot of asking for money that a basketball team needs to do maybe at this time of year. I don't know because he doesn't sound much different than Garpax and he's not moving or doing anything much different than Garpax. And if that's the, the constant here is your random Reinsdorf in charge, I don't know if you've if you know that there are financial constraints that would prevent him from getting rid of a name because names sell tickets. Do you know whether that's a consideration or not in this case? Yeah. I mean, you know, first I I will always appreciate the fact that figureheads, whether it's in sports or politics, sometimes just have to come out and say whatever the company line is. Like I, I get that we work in this industry. We know that. I think when it, when it comes down to the actual spending of the money though, that's really where the question lines up because this roster is in a very funky position between having a max contract player, having a, a guy as expensive as Lonzo's sideline. I mean, you've heard this spiel probably so many times at this point. We know that they're in that complicated position. I think the question is just, you know, Artur has talked a lot about the cost was not worth the benefit for them at the trade deadline. And I think when you've got a team that's under 500, 
that's where those question marks come up because it's just like, okay, well, at what point does the cost have to be worth it? And I think that's the conversation that they're going to need to be having in this off season when you do have some of these contracts coming up when you've gone long enough of having Lonzo's salary, you know, not for his fault, but just not give you any benefits on the actual court. I think those are kind of those conversations that I guess they're going to have to punt down the road now to the off season because they clearly weren't effective conversations uh, at the trade deadline. Julia Pose, my guest, she covers the Bulls for the Chicago Tribune. So I, I had a question, I, and and I'll just say it this way. Project mm-hmm. the Bulls starting five next season for me. Oh, man. I mean, in an ideal situation, we're going to see Lonzo make that wonderful healing recovery over the summer. I think everyone in basketball would like to see that. So in an ideal situation – you'd love to see him back in the starting lineup Um, just in the NBA in general. That would be beautiful. Uh, Given how uncertain things have been going though, I I do not think that you can right now definitively count on that. Uh, Arturez has made it clear that he would like to have Vooch back next season. So I think unless things significantly change on the forefront of them actually prioritizing three point shooting and something happens one way or the other definitively with Lonzo, I think you could see a decent amount of this starting lineup come back next season, which at this point with where this team stands is definitely concerning. I I think a lot of people would like to see a lot of changes made there, but it's just kind of hard to tell where this team will go when they've been preaching consistency and actually sticking with it. Especially when, like I said, Arturas did commit to saying that he would like to bring Vooch back this summer if they're able to get that working out. So there's a lot up in the air in terms of that, but I, I think it's really going to rely, like I said, on Lonzo's health, which everyone wants the best for, and then also on whether or not they actually do commit to some of those re-signings that they're currently saying they want to do. How tradable is Zach Levine? That's a good question. Um, you know, anytime that you put a player on a max contract, it obviously kind of use the way that you're going to be looking at him on the market. We saw that there were some of those reports of maybe some interest, some small conversations uh, around him happening around the trade deadline. And I think a huge part of it, like you said about when we get back to talking about committing to names and wanting to keep certain names aligned with the team is whether or not the bulls are willing to go away from this, project that they've been committing to for so long they've been defining themselves around Zach for so long Mm -hmm. and whether or not they're willing to decommit from that which given their slowness or their slowness in decommitting from anything I think that's kind of where you start seeing some of that concern is just they have not been quick moving in pulling the trigger around okay we need to do a chemistry rebuild we need to do you know a, a rebuild or kind of blow things up or look at things differently they've been very slow moving with that at least over the last two seasons when you can't pull off a trade with the Knicks, you're really, because that's all Bulls GMs have survived on is pulling off trades with the Knicks, mm-hmm. and you can't even do that. And it, the Knicks love the name. They've, they've, I, Thibs wouldn't want them. I know that. But New York would. They they believe names sell tickets, and then it, it seems to me the, the Bulls are looking at it the same way. And yet he doesn't, you know how you, you know, a Hall of Famer when you're watching them as opposed to just looking at numbers, the way that discussion goes. 
the idea of watching what a leader is, what a leader does, I don't see that in my highest paid guy if I'm the Bulls. Do you see that? What? How would you characterize his version of leadership? Well, I think that's what's so interesting about the makeup of this roster is that Zach Levine is 100% like the highest pay, paid player on that team. He's been the backbone in terms of actual stylistic building that the Bulls roster has been built around for years now. But if you put anyone in a locker room next to DeMar DeRozan, DeMar DeRozan's going to be at least the co-captain, at least the co-leader. You know what I mean? Like it, mm-hmm. it is very difficult to make a locker room 100% your own when you have a guy that's just that veteran, that experienced, that much of a leader. And I think that is – I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, but when you've got a guy that's going from being a young star to being kind of in that middle period where you're not quite yet the vet in a room, but you're kind of wanting to build yourself into that, I think it can be difficult – to define a locker room entirely around yourself when you have someone just of DeMar's caliber, put aside skill, just the way that he is looked up to around the league within a team. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, but it can make it really hard, I think, for a guy in Zach's position to define himself as the figurehead when you've always got someone else of that level right next to you who's also going to be defining the locker room in such a strong way. And doing it better. I mean, mean, DeMar has far more experience at being mm -hmm. in that situation. He's learned from better people. He's watched better people, and he's done an excellent job of of growing into that and being that guy that you want to follow or be around. I mean, uh, there's just so many examples of what he does better in that that regard that Zach doesn't have. He doesn't have that background. Definitely. I mean, I was talking to some players about that this morning, just about how when DeMar arrived in Chicago, it would have been really easy for him to walk in and kind of have that I'm DeMar DeRozan swagger of like, this this is who I am. I'm taking this locker room over. And he did almost the opposite of that. And he was really praised for that by his teammates of just the way that he was able to come in and earn that respect in a really natural way. And I think that's why you see, I mean, with All-Star Weekend coming up next week, you know, you often see DeMar getting way higher returns from players and coach voting in All-Star than in fans, and that's because the people in the league know what he's about to such a strong level. So I think that's a big learning curve for you talk about leadership with Zach Levine. I think that's a huge learning curve for him of learning from this guy that he hasn't really had that figure in his locker rooms always. If he can figure out how to have that rub off on him and then do it in his own way, that's going to be huge for him, but that's one of those things where it, it has to be very purposeful in terms of him wanting to learn that. And not dribbling off your knee in the fourth quarter. I would always, I would, or, or an ankle or any body part. I don't know. You got a whole bingo card of body parts he might dribble off of in the fourth quarter. So I have one last question for you, Julia. For sure. Julia Poe is my guest. She covers the Bulls for the Tribune, and this one may require all of your great intellectual skills. But Sean Sears, my producer, put t- together a web poll today. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm sorry I didn't get Sully to weigh in on this, but I'm going to ask you. My current rapper name is Chance the Rabbi. Okay. And I'm thinking of changing it to Lil Flop Sweaty. So <laughs> what would you go with? You have to choose one. 
Oh, man, I love Chance the Rabbi. I love that. I would stick with that 100%. That's beautiful. I wish you had asked Sully about this. I would have loved to hear his take on that. He would be laughing. And <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's good. So we'll put you down for a chance, the rabbi. I think. Yeah, put fun. me in that one. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Julia. Appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much. You have a good one. Appreciate it. Julia Post. She covers the Bulls for the Chicago Tribune. We will. Uh, I will take a break, and we have the cultural zeitgeist collection of stuff to do, and we lost a great one, but a. Uh, Great one, had a birthday, just classic stuff. And Dennis the Menace. Do you know who Dennis the Menace is, Sean? I do, yes. I do know who Dennis the Menace is. What do you know of Dennis? Where do you, from where, whence do you know Dennis so the Menace? So I, I, know, I know there was a comic strip originally. I do remember there was like a 90s kid movie made about him as well, too. But you know I, there uh, was, Do you know there was a 60s TV show? I did not know that, actually, no. Okay, well, then we will discuss Dennis the Menace. It, I didn't know this existed, but I have a Dennis the Menace story. So I will share that. Cultural zeitgeist. On Saturday, suckage. Yeah, Stevie suckage for now. And apparently, Chance the How is the voting going? Chance the Rabbi versus Lil Flop Sweaty. Chance the Rabbi is still up here, 57 to 43 right now over Lil Flop Sweaty. So It's kind of held that way. Yeah, yeah it's been stay- it's steady. Chance the Rabbi is a, a crowd pleaser, I think. But I, Lil Flop Sweaty is pretty funny. Yeah, well, Lil Flop Sweaty is showing a Lil Flop Sweat. He might not win this thing. I just thought we'll, we'll run it up. The- we'll see with the a- listener what our audience Thanks. I do have someone from the audience here, someone from, from Twitter actually tweeted saying that your name could be Dr. Dreidel. <laughs> Dr. Dreidel, that's excellent. That's we'll do that one. next week. We'll consider that. Dr. Dreidel, that is so good. Saturday second, Stevie second. Chicago Sports Radio 670 score. It's Saturday. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. As we turn the corner into the new year, a lot of people are looking to get healthier. That includes Hero Bread, who have just launched their new recipe using heart-healthy olive oil. Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. All with no compromise on the taste, texture, and bready goodness you expect from your favorites. 
Now they're listening to their fans and updating their recipe with olive oil, an antioxidant-rich oil that's been shown to reduce cholesterol and minimize the risk of heart disease. Try it today with code HERO10 for 10% off your purchase at HERO.CO. That's code H-E-R-O-10 for 10% off at HERO.CO. Suckage on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Got a lot to do here, Stevie Suckage, on Saturday Suckage, and not a lot of time to do it to get... We have to be off the air in time. You know why, don't you? Because at noon tomorrow, we have a secret radio show. At noon tomorrow, we have a secret radio show starring a man imitating Les Grobstein, replaying what Mark heard on the score. Mark Rohde doing a show, 12 to 1, tomorrow. Another secret show at 3 in the morning after the Super Bowl. Trash Panda will be there. So they're... There's your promotion, boys. That's about it. I can't use any. You're trying of the to be a wise no, guy. No, I know no. what you're doing. Can't use any of the words you tried to get me to say on the radio. Big game coverage on the score Sunday is presented by Soda Weight Loss. That's S O T A. Visit sodaweightloss.com. So, guess who turned 80 this week? A couple days ago. Tommy DeVito. Well, the guy who played Tommy DeVito in the movie Goodfellas. You mean, so? man, let me understand this, because I don't you know, maybe it's me, I'm a little f***ed up, maybe. But I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you? I make you laugh? I'm here to f***ing amuse you? What do you mean funny? Funny how? How am I funny? I'm not just... You know how you tell a story? What? No, no, I don't know. You said it. How do I know? You said I'm funny. How the f*** am I funny? What the f*** is so funny about me? Tell me. Tell me what's funny. Get the f- out of here, to Tommy. <laughs> I almost had him. I almost had him. Stutter, yeah, stuttering prick yet. Frankie, was he shaking? An iconic scene, and did you know Sean Sears? That was ad-libbed. That was not oh, scripted. Really? It was not planned. Joe Pesci had talked to um, Martin Scorsese about it and said, I, I got this thing. I, wanted, I just want to spring it on Ray Liotta. And we're going to do it, and we're going to do it in the Bamboo Lounge, and we're going to end. That was it. And they all went along with it, and that's what that scene was. It was all. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown. I amuse you? All unscripted. So that was Joe Pesci. He turned 80, and that, it, I, in my world, that's his greatest role. The second greatest role, some people will agree with me, as Vincent Gambini, a lawyer in my cousin Vinny, appearing before Honorable Judge in the South. Are we going to play that? I don't know if I have the cut. I'm looking for it all. Oh, my God. Sean, you suck. All right, Utes. The two Utes. Did okay. you say okay. Utes? All right. We'll move along from there. Vin, oh, it's time to make your opening statement. Come on, Vin. Uh, everything that guy just says. Thank you. No more questions. Yeah. All right. And Marisa Tomei won an Oscar for that. That was just my cousin Vinny. It was, he was outstanding. Uh, and we lost someone who is legendary in, in our world here. Suzanne Hanrahan passed away at 83. That's how she is known by a lot. But a lot of SCORE listeners will know Suzanne Hanrahan. 
as the wife of the the estranged wife of the goalie Paul Newman taunts into running out of his net and beating him up when Paul Newman, as Reggie Dunlop, tells Hanrahan, hey, your wife's, well, maybe not what you thought she was. And Suzanne Hanrahan would go on to play, would also play, <laughs> it just seems so opposite, her role in, in Slapshot, she would go on to play the mom in A Christmas Story. Couldn't be more. Melinda Dillon died this week at 83. So anyways, the, and the Dennis the Menace story that I was telling you about, the, they found, the Monterey County found its statue, missing statue of Dennis the Menace. There is a statue in Monterey County in California, Dennis the Menace, that got stolen, and they found it off the coast. And so they returned it to where it was. They knew it was because somebody... Broke off, broke off the statue of Dennis the Menace from the comic strip, and you knew him from the comic strip, right, Sean? Yeah, that's what I, I had Dennis the Menace comics growing up. <clears throat> In the 1960s, Dennis the Menace was a television show where he tortured, tormented Mr. Wills. We're going to have a nice, peaceful day in the country. Ah, uh, I can hardly wait. Ah! That was it. That was Jay North. So that was in the 60s. And then sometime in the early 80s, I had uh, taken up, I was playing hockey. It was rat hockey. I showed up at a rink. Guy told me about a game. We showed up and play. And look at the goalie and hmm, got some freckles. It turns out that was Jay North. I played hockey with Dennis the Menace. He was in goal. We went out for a beer afterwards. No one more bitter than Jay North. He was Dennis the Menace. Nothing good ever happened to that. He lost a role in a in a uh, soap opera. I want to say Santa Barbara. He lost a role in Santa Barbara to Jack Ford, the president's son. And he just spent the entire time we had a beer grousing about it. And that was my experience with Dennis the Menace, with Jay North. And that's who it looked like in that. So there we go. Wait, what did we hear? Sully texted in. He likes Chance the Rabbi or... He called you Lil Suckage. Lil Suckage. There you go. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Sully. We heard from <clears throat> heard from him. And Sweet Cheeks texted me this emoji she made up for of herself. Inside a dreidel, arms spread. Need my Dr. Dreidel to take me for a spin. So I need to get out of here. We are your station for Sunday coverage. The big game right here on The Score. It wouldn't have been possible if we weren't here to be told how much we suck. So kudos to you guys for sucking as bad as we do. Yes, wait, wait a minute, minute Mr. Post. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. it. 
Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them with more on the way. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future. In vehicles and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is Electrified Diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with a vehicle that's right for you. A hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Toyota, let's go places.